Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of Moundcast. Um, it's our first stream on Facebook, so hello to everyone on Facebook. I know there's not many people on Facebook, but here we are. Um, today, we're going to be talking about video games, um, kind of how they've changed culturally over the last couple decades or so, or you know, as long as we've been alive. And most importantly, we have a very special guest. Sam, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Sam. I'm a PhD candidate in the political science department at Iowa or University of Iowa. I'm not at Iowa State anymore. Not anymore. Uh, not anymore. I've been playing video games since I was six or seven. I have three younger brothers, and we always used to fight over who got to play the, the GameCube. Um, so that's where my video game habit started. Awesome. Excellent. I mean, it's also really nice that um you know we're bringing bringing you on you know you're a girl you have a little bit of a different perspective than us um which is why i want to ask this this first question sam um so i've heard a lot of discussion when i'm looking into like the history of video games and you know like, look at the pokemon franchise we have crystal which has the first female protagonist you can play as um samus aran um you know is one of the first female protagonists that has ever appeared in video games when you're playing a video game you're looking at these games and you're, you're selecting a character. Do you gravitate towards women as a character since you are one? Does it not matter to you? Do you not really care? Can you get the same amount of enjoyment out of a game as a male protagonist as you would as a female protagonist? How do you feel about that? Um, well, in general, whether or not there's a female protagonist in a game does not affect whether or not I want to play it. Um, I do enjoy games that have female protagonists but especially in a lot of like historical games like red dead redemption for example um having a female protagonist there would have been a little bit strange um so like when it makes sense it's fantastic but it's not a priority for me okay so like as long as it's a, a well-written character it fits the genre it fits the situation you're very happy with it, and you probably will then grab towards it. Is that, is that correct? I like good characters. doesn't matter what bits they have. Okay. Um, and in, the, in that same vein, um, does, you know, being a member of the, the gay community affect that at all as well? Do you, do you prefer not to hear about sexuality in video games? Does it not matter? You know, do you gravitate towards that? You know, how's your, what's your feelings on that as well? I mean, most of the time, I prefer sexuality be kept out of video games. Okay. Um, but, like, in some storylines, it makes sense. Um, there's definitely cases where it feels a little uh, pandery, like they were doing it intentionally to make a community happy. Um, but, like, if it's genuine representation, like my answer for the uh, female character question, if it's genuine representation, a good writing, like, I'm always going to be for that. Okay. So, like, not, like, if they just suddenly made Batman gay for no reason, you know, that would yeah. be... Yeah, okay. I guess. Suddenly I... Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're suddenly having a little bit of a different relationship going on there. It just doesn't really fit the fit the IP. Okay. That's that's what fan fiction is for. Yeah. <laughs> it's more for the... Uh, it's more for, uh, uh, you know, different different class of people, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm gonna I want to open this up to to Travis and James. Do either one of you guys have strong feelings about either of these uh, these these two questions? Travis, let you go first on this one. Uh, in terms of sexuality in video games, uh, it doesn't really matter much to me. It never has. 
I know they exactly needed a lot of representation myself. Uh, so, of course, if it canonically goes against, like, or a uh, story where they just kind of force it in, it does feel awkward, you know? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really fit in this situation, but it's never really fucked me ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the only thing, the only time that it, it really even plays a factor, in my opinion, is when it dramatically changes the nature of the character to, like what Sam said, pander to us, to the LGBTQ audience. Um, it's like they're trying to rewrite an entire story to... I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, like (laughs) to satisfy, and I don't think that the sexuality of a character is that big of a deal in general. I don't think that suddenly rewriting a story to make a character have a different sexual preference is going to all of a sudden captivate an entirely new demographic of people. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I think that's true, yeah. I think it does more harm than good pretty much every single time that they've they've done it. It's going to take people who aren't in that community to be like like really this is the representation of that community because in a lot of ways art does you know pull from different stereotypes different demographics and then represent that to the whole society so if you're you know making your sexuality like the forefront characteristic of your character that's what everyone's gonna think that community is you know mm-hmm. but, well, but I do think that... oh sorry James, what I was gonna say the other thing is too like if you want to create those characters like one thing that we've seen a lot of is like you, you mentioned change, changing Batman sexuality, for example, <laughs> instead of creating a new character, which I think plays into a whole host of other issues with, a, you know, the, you know, reboots we see in movies or like 14 sequels for a video game. You know, it's yeah. it's not new IPs. They're rewriting IP. They're, they're rewriting old IPs to cash in on nostalgia and then change up a bunch of stuff to try to grab a new audience and. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, like, I think that a really well-written, you know, black or gay character or woman character is great, you know. Um, I want to say, I, one of my favorite characters is Tomb Raider. Um, like, she... Laura Croft. Like, if you look at... Yeah, Laura Croft, thank you. Um, I couldn't... I was... I could not remember the exact uh, the exact name she had, um, but, like, this is also prevalent in the movie that came out, I think it was, like, 2018, I want to say. Um, I didn't watch but, it. Well, it's fine. It's a good movie. I'd recommend it. Uh, but like her gameplay is very different from what you'd expect in like Arkham Asylum. Um, it's a lot of acrobatics, kind of flippy, flippy stuff, which is really fun. You know, as I, I don't usually get that experience, um, and it and it really fits her character, I think. And her being a woman in that case really actually expounds the potentials as well. Like I think it's I would rather have it be a woman than a man um, to do all these kinds of things. Um, I think it makes it a lot more engaging. I think it's you know fairly. Uh, well written as as a storyline in general um i mean i think it's a little bit weird that she's finding machine gun ammo in like an ancient tomb but you know video game i mean yeah video games always have that issue yeah yeah so uh any any uh any closing thoughts you have on this sam before we move on we were talking we mostly were talking about these very story driven games Mm -hmm. um which is definitely where the debate is the most but like Take League of Legends, for example. Like, I think half of the champions are women, and that's not really a factor in how their gameplay is. Oh, and I yeah. really enjoy that. Like, you have these kick-ass 
women that just exist there and no one's drawing attention to it for the most part yeah because i mean they're just like yeah it's video game logic yeah of course yep. you know Caitlin never runs out of bullets you know <laughs> ash never runs out of arrows and you know they're women and they're just able to murder giant beasts you know it's as and, it's and then there's there's some characters that are gay that you wouldn't even know that are gay because oh, it's really? all on their lore and if you don't read the lore which is outside of the game itself you have no idea but if you are interested in that you go oh yeah okay that makes sense nico's gay like okay uh, sure. and to everyone's <laughs> surprise ezreal is straight yeah it is true everyone is surprised Ezreal ezreal is straight <laughs> So it's just like my mom being surprised that I'm straight. You know, it's like everyone expects it. Hey, don't don't take away my best man speech. I'm gonna save that for next Saturday. <laughs> um, okay, so an another thing that I think is is interesting to look into when it comes to, to gaming stuff and video game culture is a kind of shift in the industry over time, right? We're seeing a shift from a lot of these storyline-driven single-player experiences that we saw in the early aughts, late 1990s, I would say. Um, to more multiplayer, uh, competitive, arena-oriented kind of games. You don't see nearly as much hype around those games, though, when they're released, as opposed to the very few trickle story-oriented game, uh, games like Cyberpunk that we see, where it got tons of hype. Um, do you guys agree that there is this kind of shift? Am I on the wrong track here? What are your thoughts? I, I'll start with Sam. Great, good. Um I mean, we don't have to. I can always, I can delve a little bit further in to help you, uh, give you some time. No, 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 no. I'll come up with something. Um, so I think one of the reasons these single player games get more hype is it's a lot more of a personal experience. Like typically you're playing through those games alone, unless you're streaming or have someone looking over your shoulder. Um, but like the yeah. decisions you make, like it's, there's a lot more thought that you have to put into it. You're not just you know, getting as many points as possible or trying to be the last one alive. Um, so I think that's part of where the hype comes from. Um, but also the games where you're just running around shooting people are very fun. Um, and you can <laughs> yeah, that's usually true. That's true. pick up on them very quickly. Um, so they don't need as much selling. So Because it's just like, here it is, you're going to shoot people. Whereas with the story, you have to kind of capture them. Like, you're going to want to play this. Yeah, so like you kind of build up a little bit of a relationship with the character more so in these story-driven games than you would in just shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up kind of games. Okay, I mean, I would also even say that to that point, just to go a little bit deeper, if you look at like the Call of Duty franchise itself, there was kind of a shift post Modern Warfare Two, Black Ops Two kind of era, um, away from these really well-written characters like Alex Mason or you know Captain Price or whatever into these kind of just bland like the campaign's an afterthought because we just want to go to competitive scene and then you see like a dip in actual sales and community respect as well i would say that that just to go even further into that even in the shooty shooty genre we do see this kind of shift well and i think if i may interject one of the things that we see that we no, see you're not allowed to interject. this is my show <laughs> i'm just kidding one of the things that we've seen with this shift in recent years is the idea of return on investment so the amount of time that Treyarch needs to put in to make multiplayer fun versus the amount of time they need to put in to make the campaign interesting. They're going to need to put more time into marketing the game if it's, if it's single player. They're going to need to put more time into developing character backstories, dialogue, keeping, the, keeping players interested in the story, whereas, or you can just focus entirely on gameplay, basically ignore screenwriting, and 
make the multiplayer fun and the multiplayer and easier to do yes and the multiplayer is going to bring in so yes people may buy a game for like ghost of tsushima for example that came out people are buying that for a single player experience it had a ton of sales but without being able to update it with additional content without any sort of multiplayer scene it's not going to continue bringing in the kind of money that it would if you've got all the if you have a vibrant multiplayer base with all these microtransactions. So you, your initial sales may be worse with a game that kind of ignores the story, but you're going to have to invest fewer resources and long term you're going to be getting out more resources, which is why I think we've seen this shift and in my personal opinion I think the industry has suffered for it because well, we used to have all kinds of single-player story-driven games that were interesting, we could talk with our friends about. Now it's, we have two to three of those drop per year, usually by indie developers. And yeah. then, the, then the mainstream is just all, you know, main, like, you've got your Call of Duties, your Destinies, and then you've also got, like, you, the games that just don't won't die, like League of Legends. Yeah. And I, and I think that that, that really has a lot to do with with what we're talking about as well travis what do you think about hype right yeah oh and just just about like the difference is, since you know when we were young with all these single player games that were more focused i would say on story over gameplay necessarily speaking um as opposed to now where we're focused more on gameplay for competitive reasons or profit driven reasons i feel like it has to do with innovation um with our current multiplayer scene you know we got hundreds of uh, and not even just multiplayers. Uh, there's a lot of things. You have these big brands. Like Dark Souls has 20-plus little, like, Souls-like games is what they call them. And they don't have to innovate anything in those games. They might throw in a gimmick here or there, but it's a quick money. People can throw it under or near the brand of Dark Souls, and then people will just test it out. And that right there will probably recoup the price of them making that game, whether it's good or bad. Um so our innovation for games itself has dropped a lot. Do you think, um, well, we're, since we're talking about like that kind of stuff, um, back in the early aughts and 1990s, we didn't really have good graphics, right? <laughs> like the graphics were kind of garbage. Um, so instead of producing, because video games is essentially an art form. That's just what it is. Um, you know, some people use it to develop profits. Some people use it to develop ideas, you know, and that's kind of how art works and literature, songs as well as just, you know, painting art, right? Um, so we couldn't really focus on the graphics as developers in the early aughts, late 90s. Instead, what they focused their creative talent on then would be gameplay. But now, since we have access to better graphics, do you think that is in some way influencing the lower storytelling quality? Uh, anyone, go. Okay, I, 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 have one, I have two words for you. Okay, hopefully Okay, more. four words. Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront 2. The game okay. was absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Like correct. going into that going into that game, I could not believe how beautiful the environments were, how detailed the vehicles and the equipment was, and it looked better than any live action Star Wars thing Star Wars had put out to that point and probably to date. However, gameplay mediocre you know i mean the gameplay was terrible yes and then all I, the pay to win crap yes and then there was the there was the pay to win but uh everything i feel like a lot at least until the last year 
has suffered in the name of better graphics. Everyone, you you read yeah. Game Informer, for example, um, any game review, and it's all, oh, the graphics are amazing. You're going to feel like you're actually in this world. And sure, I'm going to feel like I'm in this world. I'm going to be so amazed at how beautiful the game is for five minutes. And then I'm going to play it. And I'm going to realize it's garbage. I'm not going to connect <laughs> to anything. And I'm going to put it down and hate myself for spending 60 bucks on something yeah. that I could have spent half of that to get some Civ 6 DLC and actually have a good time. Yeah, that was my experience with Cold War. Cold War is a dumpster fire of a video game, and it cost me 50 bucks for a dumpster fire. And this is why I do not buy Call Well, one of the reasons I don't buy Call of Duty games anymore. But, yeah. I mean, look well, at... Well, I mean, Warfare was pretty good. Yes, yes, this is true. Um, but I have other reasons. But, yeah. so, like, look at Ghost of Tsushima, for example, again. Because the game is unbelievable. Graphics, good graphics, are not mutually exclusive of good gameplay and good storytelling. That's true. Ghost that of Tsushima true. was in development for better part of half a decade, and the end result was the most beautiful game I've ever seen. Period. One of the best stories I've ever I've ever had, and really, really crisp gameplay. Mm-hmm. And yes, it took a very long time, and yes, it doesn't have the same kind of sales numbers. At least initially, now it does, but not initially as Call of Duty did. But they had fantastic they had everything and yes but usually usually when you have a large publisher pushing something out versus a small publisher like um like ghost did then they're focusing on what's going to sell the game right away we don't care if it does does well down the line we can always improve it later on make pete the you know people keep playing it and all that matters is the bottom line so i i have a feeling that travis and sam are going to have different viewpoints on this question and i want to hear both of your guys's thoughts okay considering travis is hardcore libertarian um so sam do you think that our kind of capitalist slash corporatist society in some way has been influencing this profit driven industry of the video game department that we've been talking about the more profits uh and that since they've been focusing on that they found out oh if we use these gambling strategies we find in casinos we can d- drive more profits in the short term and we'll make a ton of money. Do you think that that as, is separate from capitalism as an idea? Do you think that they, that is kind of a bad affect of it or something like that? Or what, what are your thoughts? And then I want to hear what Travis has to say. Okay. I mean, I definitely think the, the money-making aspect plays a role. One other interesting phenomenon that has happened, not just like uh, marketing the game, but like the, the code for making a popular game has changed. Whereas before it was, this is going to be fun, this is interesting, now it's, oh, this person, this person, this person are streaming it together, you could stream it. Um, And that's become a lot of what drives people's uh, desire to games. Like, uh, oh, last year Fall Guys, like, was really popular for, like, three months, something like that. And Among Us took over. (laughs) And then Among Us took over, and then Project Winter existed for a couple of minutes. Like, they've... mm, Developers have figured out if they make these multiplayer games that are kind of like something else with a small tweak, like they can get the streamers to basically market it for them, um, which, you know, is part of capitalism. The market decides, mm-hmm. sort of. So yeah. like, big players so, are exerting a lot of energy in the market, right? And it's kind of upsetting the balance. Okay. 100%. Okay. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to like... I'm trying to build off of what you're saying here and, and, and kind of... No, I, 
I appreciate that. Okay. Travis, what do you think? Do you think uh, do you think capitalism has has had some negative effect on this? Um, yeah, definitely the um, hike in bad quality gaming is a result of capitalism, but I think it's more more or less a result of corporations and how the head corporations currently act in capitalism. Because in a perfect world, capitalism is a market intended to push innovation and quality. But long for a long time now, it's been more about profit over innovation. And I think that's where the core issue stems. They no longer care about their innovation, okay. they just care about their Right. Okay. And I think that leads into the whole like capitalism is not corporatism argument and because and look at the just in the, within the realm of video games you've gone from okay there are two or three larger publishers and then three dozen small studios and publishers to now everything absolutely everything is owned by activision blizzard ea sony and yeah. microsoft it's like that. It's like Period. that. And Nintendo. Of like the twelve companies that own everything in the world, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and that's the that's the state of the video game industry. And if you look at these games that captivate people, like they're, oh my god, this is such a good game, I can't believe this is real. More often than not, come from studios that aren't part of that. I mean, even Red Dead Redemption Two, like Sam brought up, that they're not owned. They're um, Take Two. Take Rockstar. Two. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Rockstar, right? Yeah. Rockstar yeah. is the developer. Take Two is the publisher. And okay. Take Two is not, you know, it's it's not one of the big the big five. I'm including Nintendo in the big five for publishers. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, we can also look at it in the sense of just the the fact that we have a free market allowed for the innovation for video games in the first place. But you know, you could also conceivably say that, you know, eventually, if there's a monopoly or a fiveopoly, let's just say that they all basically have the same oligopoly. Market. Oligarchy. Oh, thank you. Um, where where they all have the same market model, the the market itself is no longer free because they're exerting so much weight on the market that it's shoving everything else down. And if they just copy each other, they're all just doing basically a version of the human centipede. Um, <laughs> and the perfect example of this is if everyone remembers a couple of years ago with um, the back to back disasters that were Fallout. Um, Fallout 4. No, not Fallout 4. The oh, Fallout... Fallout 76? Yes, thank you, oh, 76. Yeah. Fallout 76 is also garbage. And Anthem. Those two oh, yeah. came out like a... Was it Anthem that had 28 people at its peak or something like that playing simultaneously? After, after like two months... Yeah, 28, 28 okay. concurrent online. And that see, here's the thing, though. Anthem was billed as this amazing, uh, almost like a competitor to Destiny. And... Um, but the studio that EA had doing it was Bioware, who's always been known for their storytelling. And they gave, them yeah. a, they gave them a game that was completely devoid of storytelling and gave them all these unrealistic expectations, all because, hey, Bioware was the, was the developer that they had free with the staff to make this game that EA wanted because they, it was, the, the genre is popular and they wanted to make money. Even though they, they mismatched studios so poorly there, and Bioware is the one who suffered for it, not EA. EA was like, hey, uh, we, we just published the game. Bioware is the one who developed it. And then they threw all the yeah. onus on Bioware and they cut their staff in half because of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, they just sunk money. Yeah. I know a large amount of, during the production process of Anthem, 
a lot of it was a large amount of creative differences between the teams. And it's still EA is a horrible company. They push a lot of uh, deadlines. they got to create yeah. like that. But a lot of the uh, issues with it sinking was due to uh, disagreements between the team, there's a large amount of people leaving. You know, they lost a lot of their lead developers in the past 10 years that they've had on the original projects like Origins that made them a big company in the first place or a big developer. Yeah, and those are the idea men as well. Like, that's the thing. Once you lose your talent, it's like you're done, essentially. Um, but we're getting a question from the audience, um, or, well, just, I guess, a point. Uh, that I, that I think is that is think is interesting, and says that the the player base has moved from PVE to PVP essentially. So it's kind of gone away from single player experiences to multiplayer experiences because you know there's a social aspect to it then, um, as well as you know better online multiplayer capabilities. You know high speed internet is a lot more ubiquitous than it used to be. Um, there's addictive qualities to competing with other people. You know you get a rush when you're doing better. You know. Uh, when you get the win screen, you don't normally get that when you're playing a single-player experience, maybe besides uh, certain games where you fight a bunch of bosses and whatnot. Um, you definitely don't get that in Minecraft. You just get, oh, I built this thing. <laughs> you know, looking at it, everybody. Kind of, kind of thing. Well, um, Minecraft has the power of PewDiePie behind it. That's, well, it has, it's got that, and it's also just got like a really good community, I would say. Like a, a very, very uh, positive community behind it. Um, Whereas like other games don't like League or COD or things like that, um, and also uh, Among Us is an, an example of this kind of very bare bones gameplay, bare bones graphics, but great multiplayer um, potentiality for people to play. You know, it's fairly easy to pick up. I mean, my mom can play it, and that's you know saying something. Um, so I think that that's a fairly fairly good way of looking at these kind of things. Um, my my question kind of rolls into that aspect so i want to start again sam being the expert you know playing since you're six uh okay uh how how do you see like do you think that it's more indie developers that are that are really innovating at this point coming up with new subgenres, new entire genres of video games or is it really these kind of corporate players and i know that's a little bit of a loaded question because i think we can all expect the answer but i think uh i think uh, i think you've got some good insights on this Oh boy, um, you put a lot of faith in me. I appreciate that. I was um, I don't know. The the games I've been most pleasantly surprised by in the past few years have been indie games. Mm -hmm. um, typically, whenever it's a big corporation that's pushing a game, you know they hype it up a bunch, and then it's less than you expect it to be. Um, but what ends up happening is these indie developers, you know, make one good game that, you know, does well, captures people, and then the bigger companies are like, all right, well, we're buying you now. Um, and then that indie yeah. company isn't able to grow on its own, um, which is really a shame, which is my guess on why we keep getting these one-off, like, random producers making a game and then never seeing them again. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, because these big corporations with a lot of this power, a lot of this infrastructure, it's fairly calcified in their favor just go yoink that idea that's a great idea we're going to take it we're going to corporatize it repackage it and sell it essentially um i, I mean really that with... cool. sorry what i think what's really cool about indie developers is they don't have that we're trying to make as much money as possible mm -hmm. mindset they're like all right we're going to make something cool or something fun or something heartfelt like they're it they're making it art yeah i want to i want to produce my thoughts my feelings my vision you know, right. 
through this media essentially well and there's that there's that combination of i think freedom because when you're dealing with a large corporation you you not like travis mentioned you have deadlines like you mentioned like it's not really art to them that it's a job they go in and they're dictated from on high this is the end result that we want so give us that by this deadline if you don't you're out and this is why you see yeah this is why you see these um developers will create a game the publisher will publish it the game does poorly and then the entire studio instantly cut in half or shut down all Mm -hmm. the time even to large studios like dice and bioware with ea and um sledgehammer with um activision blizzard the second thing and this kind of leads uh leads in from the first is that you can tell with indie developers they're pouring their heart and soul into the game and yeah. it's just like it's just like with any piece of art any piece of content they're a lot more charming too yes yes you can tell yeah. when people are people really care about something versus they've been told to do it so they're going to do it um yeah, and I yeah, think I think that's why choice versus force essentially, and you can tell in not only like I think the graphics of certain games. So like, um, what's the what's Stardew Valley mm-hmm. it's made by a fairly small production company? Um, it was like a it's like sloth or something like that. Um, can't remember. Uh, James fact checked me on this one. Uh, um, yeah, look uh, it up. Games and concerned Apple. Yeah, concerned yeah. ape. That's what it is. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. Um, but it it's very charming of a game. You know, it's I think it's like something like ten bucks on Steam. You know, it's not super expensive. I, Jess loves it because she just goes fishing. You know, <laughs> I I like it because I you know can build up like a little empire. But it's just a very charming little game, and it's clearly not made to make a bunch of money. You know, it's clearly made by a very small team who just was like you know. What? What if we were to make a farming, social kind of single-player experience? And then they eventually made a multiplayer, which I thought was really nice. I, I thought that really added a lot to the game, uh, just by the fact that you could have other people and like kind of uh, specialize in certain tasks. Um, but it's just a very, very charming game. Uh, Travis, yeah. what are you... Oh, sorry, Sam. Go for it. I was just going to talk about another charming game with not the best graphics uh undertale like it has basically an occult following and that was made by a very small team and honestly it's it has great dialogue it's adorable you can play through multiple times in different ways which i think is really cool and it all it's really cool and it was a small team not great graphics but the story is there the gameplay is there it's a good time yeah uh i want to let's do a round table right now just what what is everyone's favorite game I think, I think that like you could do that you could do one to five you don't have to have all five you can say you know my top three are this you know whatever james you go first since you're you're the uh my top five games all right yeah. um so the first one is easy 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 fallout new vegas it's not even close um <laughs> that game is just un- unbelievably good and made me fall in love with Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, so Matt King Cole. <laughs> okay. um, the other four, I'm not going to rank in any particular order because it changes depending on, like, my mood. But yeah. um, let's see. Ghost of Tsushima, obviously. That's an amazing game. Um, uh, 
Skyrim. And then come back to me for there too, because like I really got to think about this because oh, all I've been. Correct, it's fifteen dollars on Steam. Yeah. Oh, is it fifteen? Okay. Yeah. I, I see. I see. Oh, okay. The other two, I would have to say, Civ in general. I'm gonna say Civ and Total War, in general, because like they have each have their different yeah. games, but they're the they're... same game just with improvements, basically. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I like strategy. Uh, I'll go last. So, uh, Sam, what do you think? What's what's your uh maximum of five but you can have as uh, as little as you want okay so top one is definitely borderlands 2 like that is my favorite game i keep going back to it time and time again um i love me some minecraft minecraft is very fun <laughs> love me some, some undertale uh just the classic pokemon games like well, when i'm having a bad day just breaking out pokemon emeralds like, I still have my yeah. DS specifically for that, basically. I, I can't uh, believe I forgot about Pokemon Emerald. I feel so bad now. Yeah, James, well, you're I forgot totally about Skyrim, perfect. So. Uh, um, yeah, those are my top few. Okay. Uh, Travis, what do you think? Um, probably top three. Monster Rancher, their series. Okay. It's a series that kind of dropped off, especially here in US, the USA. You know, they had like one or two more games, but they're Japanese only. It's a real shame. Um, then Dragon Age Inquisition, I think everything about it was pretty great. I didn't play it on 360, so no one can come at me about that. I played it on Xbox One. And the storytelling was great. I enjoyed the character interactions, and the ending was a pretty good gut punch. And then probably uh, the Destiny franchise, just because I can always be enamored by the way the world works and how the unique weapons interact with it it's just i i don't care much about the content but i like the world and how it works yeah i mean that's you know it's it's favorite games as opposed to like top five best you know top five best we can discuss that as well but like this is just our personal favorite so whatever works for you is you know that's the important part right um so for me number one we've got to be pokemon mystery dungeon explorers of sky I love that game. I go back to it all the time. I really hope that they remake it because they remade um, the first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon and they did a really good job with that. It's one of the few games that I'll say that a remake was actually faithful to and improved upon the previous game in a lot of in a lot of ways, uh, in my opinion. I'd also say after that one, these can be in any order. AoE 2, Age of Empires 2 just reminds me a lot of my childhood, reminds me of you know, my grandma used to babysit me, and that was, like, a really big good memory for me because she would always just get me on the computer, and I would just play AoE 2, and I would spend my whole time creating, like, essentially a zoo of unique units by recruit, or by, uh, by uh, converting all of them with my monks. So, like... I will not play really AoE against you for that exact reason. Yeah, well, I have, like, a couple hundred hours in that game. Uh, speaking of that, I also have a couple hundred hours in Civ Six, and I'm pretty good at that as well. Uh, and I just, I really enjoy that. I like these kind of strategy empire building games because I can always like challenge myself with little little things as well. It's just kind of a really nice pastime. Uh, Modern Warfare 2, I think is my favorite shooter um, of all time. It's not very well balanced, but I just get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Uh, I also really, really like the campaign. Um, I think it's probably one of the best campaigns that they've ever produced. Black Ops and Black Ops 2 would be kind of close, I would say, of the games I've played. I've played three, Call, Call of Duty 3, 2, Ghosts, didn't play anything until Modern Warfare 2019. So I have a big gap in there. That's because those are bad. Um, 
I would also have to throw Banjo Tooie in there, as opposed to Banjo Kazooie, um, because okay. I, I think Banjo Tooie, for me, I played that one first and then played Banjo Kazooie, and I thought Banjo Kazooie was a step backwards because, for me, the timeline was reversed in that sense. Um, and then I also want to add uh, Legend of Zelda Sky, uh, not Skyward Sword, a uh, Legend of Zelda uh, Twilight Princess. I think that is the best Legend of Zelda, in my opinion, that they've ever made. I don't care. It's not Breath of the Wild. It's it's Twilight Princess. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so two things to point out. First off, Twitch chat agrees with me. Fallout New Vegas, best game ever. I have people on my side, so second. Yeah, well, you know what? I've got YouTube chat agreeing with me, so. Well, okay. I, I, I'll my, my Twitch viewers will fight your YouTube viewers. I'm sure they will. <laughs> Who is Wiener Snitchel 60? I don't know. I don't know, but they always, they brought up Age of Mythology, which I have not played, but... I've heard really good things about it, though. Yes. Uh, there's also, what is it, um, something about humanity? Uh, what's what's that new gate? What's that new Civ competitor? Uh, it's humankind. It got delayed. Humankind. I know. trying to get a bunch of uh, feedback into it now. Yeah, well, because I played it free on Stadia. For 17% off last I checked. Yeah, I, I, was, I played it free on Stadia, and it was amazing. I know, I cannot count to five. <laughs> that is correct. I counted to seven. <laughs> um second thing i'm pretty sure of all the games we listed only one of them came out in the last couple years and that was ghost of tsushima yeah actually a lot of these i think the the latest of mine um would probably be civ 6 i guess and that was 2016 yeah that's 2016 so that was five years ago now and then Destiny 2 came out 2017, <laughs> right, Trav? That was your most recent like, one. like, how old are these games that I came up with? Yeah, I think it was around 17. Yeah. So well, un was Undertale was 26, 15, 16? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to figure out when Borderlands 2 was. Oh, that was 2012. Never mind. Yeah, that was... Borderlands 2 was a very Yeah. Old. That see that's the Sky, that's the Skyrim syndrome where you're like Skyrim came out like four years ago, bro, and then it's 2011. Yeah, 2011. Right. 2011. 2011. Skyrim's oh a God. decade old. I was in graphic design in 2011. Oh, yeah. No. Holy I was crap! In high school when that came out. Yeah, same. So I think we all were. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think that I think that you do bring up a good point there, James. Like a lot of these games, do. at most. Or at least, sorry, rather, at least four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, see, part of it is probably the nostalgia. Like, we yeah. were younger. We were probably more easily impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I tried to go back and play Fallout New Vegas recently, and I had a little bit of trouble actually getting into it because there's that nostalgia difference. And, of course, like, since... Uh, Bethesda won't allow Obsidian to actually remake the game or make a sequel. Yeah. The graphics yeah. are hot garbage, which makes aiming so difficult. But, I mean, I could have gotten over it, but I didn't. Um, but, yeah. So, and then another part of it is just the, the, the way that games have changed in recent years, I think. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it's just more, more pay-to-win or, I want to say, like, profit-driven kind of motive. Well, and, and that's... a lot of joy out, you know. I that, can't... I, Right, that's the thing. Like, we can enjoy... Like, I, you got me back into League. We still play League. It's fun. I enjoy I it. I again, as well, so that's always Very good. nice. Very nice. Yeah, but it's I'm not a game... I'm going to get good eventually. Yeah. But games like that, games like Call of Duty, 
they're fun to play in the moment. They're fun because we get to spend time with our friends. Yeah. But it's they're not cool aspect in the actual game itself. Yeah, we're we're not going to take that game with us to the grave the way that I am Fallout New Vegas or Minecraft as well. Yeah, Minecraft is I think a game that has stood the test of time so far. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else do you think, Patrick? Uh, I mean, I just it's it's interesting. So I want to bring up I want to bring up Dota too. Okay. okay. I think the the real innovation. I want to say is necessarily even in the indie industry, okay, the independent industry. And I think that I'm going to build my case here. I think the real innovation right now is in the actual community itself of gamers, right? So we've had since I want to say at least the early 2010s, more video games have been released that have um, kind of Forge World, like you see in Halo. I think that that was a huge part of Halo. I spent hours of playing Halo because I was really bad um and shooting people actually just building crap in forge world i thought that was the most fun part i had i would hop on my brother's xbox at the time and i was like 12 <laughs> and i would just not i would ignore the multiplayer and just go straight either into the single player and shoot aliens and stuff or i would go build in forge world and dota 2 which then gave rise to one of the largest video games of all time league of legends came out of a community built game mode which you can even track that further back, I would say, into Age of Empires game modes, where they there's a, there's a thing called Colosseum and there's a thing called Tower Defense. And they're two different game modes. And in Tower Defense, you basically are trying to defend all of your towers against waves of units. And you can use upgrades and things of that nature to do so. And then Colosseum, you can move your... You have one unit you control, mostly. And you move that unit around to... Uh, essentially these different other units depending on what level you're on and then that generates units that you use to go kill people and then as you get more kills you get more currency you can spend on more stuff that sounds very similar to mobas right you know both of those two ideas combined you can essentially have dota 2 and then you also look at dota underlords which gave rise to tft you know <laughs> so you can see all of these kind of um creations from the community really taking place mario maker one mario maker two uh i'm getting Relative, uh, reliable information that there's a Zelda dungeon maker in the works, which I think would be great because it kind of sounds like Little Big Planet, where a lot of really fun games are made by the community because you have, I want to say, a billion, let's just say, just people playing video games on a regular basis, let's say. Uh, and I think I'm being a little bit conservative there in my estimates. But you have a billion essentially idea factories then that are engaging in the media who, given easy to access tools, like Mario Maker, like you know Age of Empires, uh, you know Scenario Maker, like Forge World, they can then make the next game, the next big game, like League of Legends or something like that. What do you guys think of my case there? I mean, I think you're 100 percent right, and all, you don't have to look any further than the modern for any further than the modding community because, okay, so I brought up playing Total War. Base game Total Wars are fantastic. Is the, the games are fantastic, but. I can't wait until they they release the mod the mod kit modding kits because yeah. then the community can fix the game issues with the game and mm -hmm. create new scenarios, new maps, new worlds, and where it's much more interesting. And look, you know, same thing with Skyrim, same thing with Fallout, and a lot of the things that we put on this list, they were either um, offshoots of games that had, were already created, like you mentioned, or um, 
have such a vibrant modding community that keeps bringing people back. Like, it's not Todd Howard's charm that keeps bringing people back to Skyrim. No. It's mods. It's all the Zelda mods that I've installed and the lightsaber <laughs> mods and, you know, the Templar mods. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. What do you, what do you guys so, what think? Do you think? What do you think about my case? Well, uh, the good thing about um, the community is how, how much they love about the game, they'll put just as much work into it, which is why games like Skyrim and whatnot, they have their modded, or the Nazi uh, Republic, I think it was the two, they went through on the modding things and like restored cut content and um, just improved various aspects, whether it's graphics, adding quality of life things, because they wanted to keep going. They want to be able to keep playing something new in this game they like. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing I thought of when you said there was, you know, a billion machine factories out there is bold of you to assume everyone has ideas. Um, second <laughs> off, I said idea factories, not machine factories. Ouch. Okay. And you're right. Bold of me to assume people, all people have fun, fully fronting. Uh, right. Yeah. I certainly don't. So yeah, neither do I. So. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about those intentionally bad games on Steam, and I kind of love those. And we haven't really addressed those yet. So, like, intentionally bad dating sims, like, mwah. Um, and there's something. Is that is that like chapters or whatever that thing that has that there's always ads for? It's like pee on her or stick it in your vagina or whatever. Oh God, no. No, okay. those the, the, those no. are App Store. We're talking about Steam. Oh, okay. And when it comes to when it comes to dating sims on Steam, on Steam, all I have to say is, um, yes, Travis, Doki Doki. And then what's the uh, one that um, Game Grumps did? The, the dad Doki dating Doki simulator. Really good, <gasps> Dream Daddy. Dream Daddy, yes. Yes. Patrick, exactly what it sounds like. Patrick, we're, you're, I, don't, well, I don't like the sound of it. Patrick, so. Patrick, Patrick, the first thing that you're, you're going to do a streaming series of Dream Daddy. A streaming series of Dream Daddy. I am going to buy you Dream Daddy on Steam as soon as we're done with this. Gift it to you, and you are going to play it on the stream. It's not an it's option. Really funny. Can we expense that? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Well, then that's fine. <laughs> I really want to see this playthrough. I don't like. See, see, we have an audience. Just me. I'll do it as long as I can have someone like else with me because I just feel really, I'll feel really uncomfortable playing this game because it sounds awful okay we can we, we can let sam walk you through talk you through it oh wait which one yeah, sam, oh, wait, give me a dream daddy there's a dlc guys yes there is there's a, a DLC. dlc what is it dream mommy no a dad dating comic book hey, wait wait what what okay what happens in this video game it's it's who a dating you, sim okay there's a lot of there's a lot of daddies um each with their own flair and you get to have conversations with them and maybe fall in love are you all sports daddy? daddy? You know I'm a daddy. Uh, <laughs> no, you're in the game. It doesn't really say what you are. Well, can't like okay. So like, is this the one where you have to like match up the children with the dads taking the shower, or is that like a different? What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there's like, there's like <laughs> that's like it's something like find my dad or something. God, and no. part of the game is to like match up the proper skin colored kid with the proper skin colored dad. So Patrick, like you are into no. much more obscure stuff than we're talking about here. I do not want to know <laughs> these personal sorry. details. 
You need to stop clicking the ads on the manga side. <laughs> when you're scrolling through iFunny, you ignore the ads, bro. It's not, no, it's not Who's Your Daddy. Who's Your Daddy is the one where, like, the kid tries to kill himself. Um, yeah, the, the clueless father attempts to prevent his infant son from certain death. That's a different game. No. That's, that's, yeah, that's a different anyway, uh, I, I've never played Doki Doki Literature Club. What is is that like a dating sim? Kinda. That is such sort a good of. game. Yes. <laughs> is this like Dream Daddy? Is it the same thing? No. 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 Okay, I think I think we have an idea though for a series of YouTube videos where Patrick plays dating sims. Really obscure Japanese games. It makes me play them. Neither of these are Japanese, though. That's the thing. What the, who comes up with this stuff besides the Japanese? Okay, oh, listen yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, me. Dream that. Daddy was Game Grumps. Game Grumps made Dream Daddy. They made it? Yes. Yeah. Aaron and Danny voiced characters in the game. They produced it. <laughs> uh, Octodad, best game of all time. Don't tell him. Don't tell me. I know what Octodad, Octodad. is. Octopus pretending to be a dad. In the name. Doki Doki Literature Club sounds like it's made by Japan. No, it's it's actually not. What what's that one pigeon dating sim? We need to get him to play that one too. Because they're hilarious, and Sam brought them up, so here we are. <laughs> so yeah, dating sims are taking over this episode. I I wanted to talk about intentionally I, bad games. There happens to be a lot of intentionally bad dating sims. Um, like just. Dungeon crawlers that don't work and glitch out occasionally, like every once in a while. A game on Steam that's like two hundred bucks and it's just one level. What? Why? I don't know. It, it's bad. I feel like it was someone's final project for their their computer course. The the Twitch chat has chimed in. Hotofo boyfriend. What is that? Ah uh, yes yes yes. The, Mike the pigeon one. Like, how, many, how many dating sims do you play, Mike? You need to let me know. I bet you play a lot. Be nice, Patrick. I'm just saying, he, he seems like the kind of guy that plays dating sims. Um, uh, I, I'm the kind of guy that plays uh, strategy games and Minecraft. He's the kind of guy that plays dating sims. You, you don't? What do you mean you don't? That's a lot. You watch YouTubers play them, so you don't have to. Oh, okay. Oh, so he watches YouTubers play dating sims. Okay. Well, I don't know what he does, but that's what I do. I don't play. Like, yeah, I was gonna say I've I've never I never played Doki Doki, but I watched well, MadPat play it. You know that 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 dating sim. What is it? Probably because my ex played it all the time. Oh, did she really? Oh, that's, that's yeah. Awesome. Kylie played all three of these games. Monster Hunter's only thirty dollars. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Travis. Thank you. <laughs> only Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter. This episode, this episode what? of Malcast is brought to you by Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter? Not really. Monster Hunter is like a grindy ass game. Yes, yeah, yes, it I is. I play grindy games. I played Destiny for six years. Oh, there was an episode of Um Actually. Okay, oh, that makes sense. Um Actually is a good series. How much is Doki Doki? How do you spell that, guys? D O K I D O K I L I. Sure, Base game's free, Pat. Is it free? Base game's free. Okay, Patrick's playing Doki Doki first and then Dream Daddy. It's set. It's I, settled. Is that true? Okay, that's what we're going to do then. Okay, sounds good. We'll, we'll release that in a couple weeks, I'm sure. I'm installing it too. Yo, it's only 300 is it, megabytes. Is it long enough? Um, uh, I need Mike to, not Mike, maybe not Mike Lease, but Mike Redmond to let me know. Is it long enough to do a serialized kind of uh, uh, playlist? Or is it just like so short? Because it's a dating sim. 
Oh, Doki Doki, you need you're gonna need to play through it a few times. Yeah. It's like okay, so like, is there just different outcomes for each girl or guy? Like, can I can I be gay in that game? Like, is, no, you're just after Japanese schoolgirls. Oh no! So real yeah. life. Got it. Okay, it sounds oh, good. That's... So this is this is James's life. Got it. Okay, I I know James's life backwards and forwards. Like this easy. Um, no problems with Doki Doki Literature Club. I want to see this playthrough. So, so do I. I want to see all the reactions. What? What is it? Is it a hentai game? No. Hentai no. Game? No, no. 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 Okay. We wouldn't have you stream it if it was. Matt Pat played this game, Patrick. Okay. Does he have a theory? Multiple. Probably. Yeah. That you can't it's watch. Theory, like the no. Length of Steam or something. You're not allowed to do any research. Yeah, you have to go into. You have. To, you can research as Dream Daddy. As you I don't are care, right but, now. Yeah, <laughs> Doki Doki. You cannot do any research. Cannot look up anything about it. Period. All right, whatever you say, buddy. And then Dream Dream Daddy or whatever. <laughs> yes, Dream Daddy. We will. I will buy you Dream Daddy, and you're gonna play that after Doki Doki. You're gonna. Okay. You're. You're gonna need some wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> it's just a dating sim. Anyway, anyway, so what I was thinking about that two hundred dollar game on Steam reminds me of that. Am <laughs> we're just gonna change the topic? Reminds me of that. They're off of apparently dating sims now. Patrick is clearly uncomfortable. This is now the dating sim podcast. Yeah, we're we're talking about dating sims here. Uh, is there a cowboy dating sim? Of course there is. Are you kidding Probably. me? Um, but no, it reminds Moving me of on. yes. It yeah, reminds me on. of the the dude who put uh. Published one book on Amazon, How to Make Two Hundred Thousand Dollars, and the book cost two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, and I, I think so. This also leads into like what everyone was concerned about with live act or with not live access with early access on Steam. These games would come out. They charge you twenty bucks for early access. They'd have a great description, and like the first half hour or so, the game would be fantastic. But then after that, the game would be hot garbage, and then would never move out of. Um, early access and it's just a it's just a cash grab so like the indie community isn't immune from the same kind of greed that corp the corporations are it's just the corporations like the indie community it, in early access you're gonna you know screw over a couple thousand people at best before the forums get you whereas in when in corporate in the corporations you're they're gonna get four five ten million people yeah, because so. they'll pre-orders too, because they'll, you'll pre-order the game and not have it to review it. And then they don't really review copies. Yes, people. for the love of God, everyone watching this, please do not pre-order a game unless they're giving you like significant physical bonuses. Don't don't buy if it's digital bonuses. Like, I have a statue behind me of Molag Ball because I pre-ordered ESO. That was worth the pre-order. Getting yeah. an extra horse when you start the game that you then get a better horse half an hour into the game is not worth pre-ordering. No, no, I mean, that's right. You're not wrong there. No. Um, I think, I think pre-ordering it, if it's, especially if it's a big studio, unless it's like, so I, I pre-ordered humankind. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's because a, it's on sale. If you pre-order it, as opposed to if you buy it. When it gets yes. That's, a, that's another reason. I save a little bit of money. So it's not like actually spending the same amount of money. Um, and, I've seen the pre-release copies, so they've sent out review copies. They've also had an open beta where you get to play the game, which I which I participated in was amazing. Yeah, it's 
awesome. It is very, very cool. If you're a big fan of Civ, but you wish that Civ was a little bit more lore immersive, so like you could build up the lore of your empire a lot more, as well as if combat was a little bit more immersive than it is in Civ. Like it's not like AOE levels, but it is a lot more, you know, terrain plays a role and you you basically, your battle opens up and you can move the units all around. You know, it's really, really cool how they kind of made it function. Um, an example with the lore building. Um, so when you research calendar in Civ, you just get calendar. When you research calendar in Humankind, you get the solar or the lunar calendar and you can choose between the two. And then that, that decision will then affect how time is counted for your empire as well as other things going further on so what decisions you make early on really affect how things are presented to you later which i think is super cool and you know i'm really excited for more releases in august it was going to release this month actually even i think 11 days is what the original release was um but now it's releasing in a, a couple months later which i think is totally fine because they came out and said listen we got a bunch of feedback we like the feedback we want to include the feedback that's just going to take us another three months or so we're gonna have to push it back, and then then we'll get it to you with also all of your feedback, as opposed to releasing it now and then three months down the line having this huge update with all this stuff that's gonna drastically change the game. Or even worse, DLC. Yeah, or what I don't think that they would do because I think that no. they would probably model. The no. Really yes yes but i mean like that like there's been tons of issues in recent years with like day one dlc yeah so like it, it doesn't make much sense to release day one dlc it's like if you're releasing it on especially on the day just put it in the freaking game you know like it i get i get that you want to make an extra ten dollars per copy but like that's not gonna incentivize your your consumer base to actually buy because like why don't you pay fifty dollars for the game and ten dollars it's a sixty dollar game now you know, you can throw it in there. Right. But Total. I, okay. I'm the only time I'm, uh, I'm actually okay with it is because Total War, they will release um, a day one DLC that is uh, like you unlock a bunch of extra factions and stuff that you can play as. Yeah. But that day one DLC is always the pre-order bonus. So you can either yeah. pre-order it or spend eight extra bucks the day of to get the DLC, which that to me is is. Yeah, and that's, that's what we fixed it with the Aztec expansion, except yep. that I think it did even better, okay, for the consumer base, for, for the players, right, is you got it as a pre-order, or if you waited three months after buying the game, you got it for free, I'm pretty sure. If I remember correctly, this was a couple of years back, but I'm pretty sure that's what ended up happening. Yeah, like, it's time delayed. Yeah, so if you got, if you put money up front, you said, I have faith in this project, especially after BE, which was terrible. Um, which is a really bad game. But um, you say, I have faith in this project. All right, here's a little goodie we'll give to you three months before everyone else gets it, which everyone still gets it for free. You don't have to pay anything extra. But because you put a little bit more money up front, you get it now, which I think was a pretty good model. I don't know that was a big problem. Um, but I would want to... Oh, sorry, James, what were you yes, going to Yes, I would just... Before we before we move on to our last, our last little bit here, I would like to bring up someone in the Twitch chat. Their name is Horizon Jumper, and they have very, very poor taste in men. No, I think I think Horizon Jumper has great taste in men. Patrick is so hot. Yes, the, the quote, Patrick is so hot with a red face with his tongue sticking out. Yeah, I think that's the horny face. I'm not, Patrick, I'm not... Patrick is a very, very beautiful man, but he is not warranted. He does not warrant that face. I would just like to put that out there for the entire internet to know. 
let let the people speak. Also, Wiener Schnitzel sixty said Cyberpunk was revolutionary, which is true. I would say. Okay, yeah, I know. I loved I loved Cyberpunk. Like I loved the gameplay. The storytelling is fantastic. Graphics were meh, meh for twenty for twenty 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 one. Um, but everyone like yes, the 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 glitches were annoying, but they weren't game breaking in most cases, and it just got such a bad rap that I don't think it deserved. And I feel actually really bad for CD Projekt Red because they, it's not like they were trying to scam people. They're they're not EA. They they tried yeah. very hard with this game, and it shows. And yes, there are things that I think absolutely could have been improved on. And it does surprise me. They're, they're, they're yes. fixing all these glitches. Yeah. Yes. And it, it does surprise me how long it took them to develop the game. Like, if you compare the length of time they spent on the game versus the end product, you might have an argument there. But even I would still say no. It's it, Regardless of how long it took, it's still a fantastic game. It's not New Vegas. It's not Skyrim. But it is a, it is, it is a very good I'm game. I'm Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Sky by any means. Okay. Like, that game is just, you know, tier above the rest. Um, but I want to go around and just, because we're running out of time here, we're actually a little bit over time, but, um, what do you guys think about the future of video games? Do you think that VR is where the future lies? Do you think we're not, we're still going to have non-VR video games? You know, what are your guys' thoughts? And I want to start with the expert, Sam, go for it. Okay. Um, (laughs) I mean, VR is really cool. Like, I definitely think there's a big market there, a lot of room for improvement. Um, like the showcases where there's like the treadmill and you run on them. I think that looks really cool. Um, I'm seeing a head shake. No, no, he's uh, saying no to people saying that I'm hot. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. That's what Chad is currently arguing no about. That. Um, congrats, Patrick. I hope that boosts your self-esteem. I, you know, I didn't uh, have very much before, so this is great. Fantastic. Um, no, VR is super cool, and I hope a lot more innovation gets done there. But I really hope it doesn't become the only form of video games. Um, I don't know. There's just something really fun about sitting in front of your computer. And I don't know. Hopefully, there's a lot more indie games that come out that are actually good. Uh, maybe all the big companies will listen to this podcast and be like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually. <laughs> um, uh, James, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, I, I I do think that VR is going to play a massive role uh, in the future of video games. I don't think that sitting in front of a screen is ever going to truly go away. Um, so I'm not, I think it's it may become less prevalent at some point, um, just by the nature of what VR offers. Like, I've been playing Need for Speed Heat the last few days because I'm obsessed with cars, obviously. Um, and I just can't help but think, oh man, this would be so much fun to be playing VR. There's a lot of games like that, and I think that looking really far forward, something like Deep Dive VR would be um, really interesting, um, hopefully without all the death, but it's in Sword Art Online reference. No okay. worries. Okay. Um, my eyes widened a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, but... I do think that there's been kind of a snapback from the gaming community in the last couple of years or so where they're saying, we do want this single player content. We do want story driven. You know, there are so many multiplayer games out there. And the thing is like the games aren't dying off as fast as they used to. League of Legends has been around for 12 years at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's still the most popular, like in terms of numbers, the most popular game in the world. Um, Modern Warfare is still being played over Cold War. 
uh destiny 2 is still a thing you you've got all of these multiplayer games that are kind of dominating the space um and there's only 24 hours in a day people can only play so many games in a day out of the room exactly so now this this you know the, the multiplayer pvp that is oversaturated that markets but the market for single player story driven content is completely empty you know last couple of years we've had red dead 2 and ghost of tsushima and then yeah. now cyberpunk that's it that's it for the last few years that i can think of off the top of my head and so i think the snapback has is going to be pushing us in that direction um and the chat wants dream daddy vr which <laughs> but why talk I... you know, D- dm aaron and danny on that one and let them figure that out yeah Travis, what do you think? Where do you think the future of video games is going? The more options, the better. I mean, there are people who don't like VR. There are some groups who might be stuck in their way, who just don't uh, just like to stay on older generations. So hopefully, with the current process, uh, with the current trajectory, whatever the word is, uh, they'll realize that you just consolidate it all into one group. Would it be good for gaming itself? It hurt innovation, and overall, it take the personality out of it. I, I I think that you guys are hitting on a lot of really good points here, and I think the only thing that I can really add is I, I agree with the chat that I think that a lot of these multiplayer games are ubiquitous and are staying alive for so long is because the replay value is very very high, particularly for something like League of Legends. Like think about it, so it's free to play. So it's very accessible to everybody. It runs on a potato. Uh, you could probably, you honestly, probably hook it up to one and it would probably work. Uh, it's so not computer intensive. I could run it on my computer three computers ago and that computer had no graphics card and had my three processor. Okay, like it could run on basically anything. Um, and they keep updating it. Every two weeks there's an update out that changes it. And some of these updates do drastically shift the game to make it either more fun or more engaging or that the meta shifts around so new champions basically come into the meta and come out of the meta, right? So you have you have this kind of ever-evolving, ever-shifting door that brings in different styles of play that make the game more engaging. As well as you have like over 150 plus champions. So every single game is not going to be the same no matter if you have the same people playing it. They'll play different champions every time. Um, as well as there'll be like random events that'll happen that'll really shake it up. I think that that is the future of video games in the sense of free-to-play games that are accessible that have great replay value or or cheaper end games lower end games and that have a lot of cosmetics that you can buy that will essentially fund the project and on the other side we're gonna have a lot more story-based uh kind of charming indie developed uh, storyline games effectively those single player experiences i don't think we're ever going to see from large developers anymore because it's just not as lucrative in the profit sector as you would find these kind of free-to-play replay games fable that might come out in about five years is supposed to be single player only we can hope it stays that way because i miss fable yeah and we've got a star wars single player game coming out soon made by someone who's not an ea developer thank god Oh God! Um, yeah, Disney. One one good thing Disney's done in the last few years is, is not renew their exclusivity license. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that, that's good. 
That's good. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a good place to end uh, yeah. for today. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Sam, for taking time out of yeah. your busy schedule to to appear and give us a give us a different insight. We yeah. appreciate it. Sam, do you want to shout out any socials before I close us out, or do you want to not give all these people I'm your socials? Really- I'm really lame. I don't do social media, so... I envy you. Oh my god, do I envy you. It's it's real easy. Just delete everything. Yeah, I mean, social media is garbage, we say, as we're streaming on Facebook. Anywho. My Facebook. Yes, yes. All right, yes. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, We had a great time tonight. Um, Go ahead and follow us. We are on YouTube, Facebook uh twitch minds and gab all at nightmare media um so yeah give us a follow subscribe smash that like button what have you thank you wiener schnitzel 60 for following let's go um <laughs> uh we are going to be back on twitch here shortly we have our Yu-Gi-Oh progression series we're finally doing live after the last few weeks um really uh really lend itself to better content yes yes we are changing this we are changing the structure up a bit uh, michael and i are going to go back and do some commentary over the last few episodes in case you're wondering why they're not on youtube right now um but we are going to be yes we are going to be live streaming um going forward uh tonight so yeah tune back in 15 20 minutes for that and uh yeah have y'all have a good night